Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. I am Corwin Heller. And welcome to the Thursday edition of the show. We said we'd do a Monday one this week. We did not. Um, yeah, life once again got in the way. We're going to do it, though. Like, I, I promise. We're going to get back into it. But, like, fingers not crossed. What's the opposite of fingers crossed? Fingers parallel. Um, uh, pink, pinky promise. We're going to we're going to do it. Do it to you. Monday. Promise. Yeah. We're going to do it to you. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there's a fuck ton to talk about because the NFL is on fire. Uh, so let's, I guess, just kind of really. dive right in. Tom Brady retired, and somehow it's the second biggest story of the week. Not somehow, deservedly so, because Brian Flores, whom we have spoken about on this show very recently as you know a big-time potential head coaching candidate. Corwin and I, Corwin and I were both very taken aback when he got fired by the dolphins in the first place. Uh, he is suing the NFL for racial discrimination uh, with what seems like some pretty decent receipts, all things considered uh, basically what he is alleging Actual literal receipts. Yeah. What he is alleging the three of the main points that have been brought up is one that his interview with the Denver Broncos seemed like bullshit in which John Elway showed up drunk and did not take their interview seriously. Hung over. Sorry, hung over, which he claimed was a, uh, a side effect of ivermectin, which is a whole different set of what the fuck is happening. But leaving that to the side. Um, additionally, he claims that the well also being an hour late to the meeting just right. to make sure all of the shittiness of John Elway is known. Right. Um, he also claimed that the owner of the Miami Dolphins, Stephen Ross, offered to pay him a hundred thousand dollars for each loss, um, which Flores obviously you know did not accept. And he has texts from Bill Belichick in which Belichick confused him, Brian Flores, for being Brian Dable in his contacts and insisting that the giants, what he heard from within the giants organization, that the giants wanted to hire Dable before Flores even interviewed for the job. Now this has become a slight point of contention in NFL media and NFL Twitter, because apparently the word is, John Mara himself called Brian Dable to or not Brian Dable, Brian Flores to express interest in him being uh, their head coach and to tell him personally that he wanted, he really liked him and wanted him to have the job. Uh, however, that really seems like a crock of shit one and pointless too, because you can call and guess what? Lie. You, you can lie. Lying is a very common thing that everyone does, especially the owners of sports teams, they're very frequent liars and dishonest and, and shitty men. Uh, and also, if they had already guaranteed, you know, uh, formally or not, Brian Dable the job, then interviewing Brian Flores for any in any capacity is disingenuous and shows that they were doing it to check boxes for the Rooney rule if you had already verbally offered somebody else the job and you were just doing interviews as a formality, 
you're treating him as the, the token black guy you have to let into the office to comply with NFL protocol and not interviewing him in good faith, regardless of what John Mara says. And the idea that John Mara can be steamrolled by his own organization, the GM he just fucking hired, and a bunch of other giant staff members, while Woody Johnson can defy everybody and make Adam Gase the head coach makes no fucking sense. In no world does Woody Johnson have more control over the Jets than John Mara does over the Giants when his family started that fucking organization. Fuck right off. If you're buying that, you are fucking stupid. You're, I, I mean, you're, your stomach is, di- acid is digesting your fucking brain. You are a fucking moron. Correct. Sorry. At the end um, of the day, how, <laughs> you just get heated whenever Woody Johnson comes up. I hate Woody Johnson. I hate John Mara. And I, I hate that this is happening to Brian. Because I don't know if you remember, but like the, one of the first things that came to mind when I saw that Brian Flores is launching this racial discrimination suit on the back of the Giants not hiring him. One of the first things I said when he got fired was that my conspiracy theory was that the Giants wanted to hire him because they didn't announce the Joe Judge firing until after the Brian Flores firing. And I was like, oh, maybe they wanted to keep Judge until they saw Flores on the market. Now they're going to go after Flores. And apparently that wasn't even true. Like this really, I I mean, it's absurd. Just looking back, like hindsight's 2020 and we actually don't even know how it'll work out. But could you just imagine just a week removed keeping Joe Judge over getting a guy like Brian Dable? Oh, no. Not at all. <laughs> it's fucking asinine. Um, I mean, I think we all deep down knew that there were a fair number of teams that kind of just viewed the. All right, hold on. <laughs> I mean, it, it's pretty clear that they were, you know, in hindsight, interviewing him for the Rooney rule. And I think it's pretty fair. I mean, I think all of us know deep down that there are many, many teams that kind of just view the Rooney rule as just a box to check, as just paperwork to fill out that don't really have that genuine interest to hire someone of that type. John Elway. Um, It's just, it's the evidence. It's the black and white we have a clear-cut case of just this is happening here is the proof here is more proof to add on to it oh and then now here's other names coming out of the woodwork to support said rule now that they have an outlet and the ability to do so i'm really excited for the extent to which all of this is going to unfold because i think this is going to be a Donald Sterling type changing of the guard for uh, two different franchises. Now that we know one, the Broncos are currently up for sale and the Dolphins may very well be soon be forced to sell. Um, I didn't realize the Broncos were up for sale. Yeah. That was like kind of hidden in the, the headlines of all this was the Broncos officially were put up for sale like yesterday. Oh, wow. When all, when all this broke. Oh, I think um, I did see something about that that valuation. It's like the owner bought it for some hundred million or something like that, and now it's worth like four bill. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, very different. Um, God, there's just so many pieces of this to dig through. Like, obviously, I guess you could even call it racial profiling is a huge aspect of this. That's one of like six points that were made in the suit that are really worthy of talking about. Just to add more layers to this, which I think is actually going to have more is going to bring about more tangible change and bring about a, a much more tangible reaction from the NFL is the accusation, not even the accusation, because apparently it was a written contract, the $100,000 per loss mm-hmm. offered to Brian Flores, which as much as the NFL is ramping up investments in sports gambling, as well as uh Ross, the owner of the uh, Dolphins' personal investments into sports gambling, this is this is a straight up felony, and also a severe indictment on just the oh, what's the word um, integrity integrity of the league. And by they're the way, they're not going to take too kindly to that. Hugh Jackson made the same claim not not shortly, uh, very shortly after um, Brian Flores said this about. Miami's owner and Hugh Jackson lost 36 games in three years with the Browns. I just like an impossible six, number of games. Right. I don't want to, you know, undermine the comment. I just, uh, the first comment on Reddit that I saw for that post was just like, yeah, this sounds like something he would lie about to save face. And part of me is like, yeah, okay, I, I fucking hate Hugh Jackson, and I totally want to believe that just for the sake of the meme. But in reality, yeah, that is a pretty serious case that will definitely have some validity to it. Uh, and, and I am almost certain that it will not stop there. This is this is going to be really big especially for the NFL for sports in general but but for the NFL you pointed what's up the Colts with Andrew Luck look at their season by season record and look at how out of nowhere that losing season and their very much um, almost curiously words are hard and I'm not getting anywhere that will make sense but Moving on from Peyton Manning after his surgery, his neck surgery, despite him, by all means, being a very good quarterback after that. Seeing For 55 broke, touchdowns in the season. Yeah. yeah, many, many records after that. Uh, and then just were apparently just a truly unbelievably awful team for one season. Oh, Andrew Luck's coming out. Oh, we have Andrew Luck. Oh, and now we're essentially a playoff team again. That's really curious. And I'd be uh, very curious to see the actual, you know, breakdown of what got us to that. Yeah. I feel like there's going to be a lot of that that comes out. And, you know, we, we've understood from a basic eye test perspective that the NFL's hiring practices are horrible. There is, as it stands today, what, one black? Is it just Mike Tomlin right now? Is the only black head coach in the NFL? Am I, am I missing anybody? 
Corbin? Not a single one. Not a single one. Uh, and that is, I, I mean, look, you don't have to be a football player to be a football head coach. Bill Belichick has zero playing experience and is one of the greatest head coaches in football history, if not the greatest. However, given how other sports operate, looking at baseball and uh, soccer and hockey and basketball, it's really fucking weird that there's not real a, a, a significant number of former players who occupy head coaching positions. Mm-hmm. And that has nothing to do with their ability to understand the game. If you are playing any fucking position in the NFL, in the NFL, not just in football, not like college or high school, in the NFL, you are a very smart person when it comes to understanding the X's and O's of football. There's no way to run a route. There's no way to understand your blocking assignment. There's no way to understand uh, your, your, uh, your zone safety coverage. If you are not a very smart person in understanding the X's and O's of not just your position, but your opposition's, your direct opposition's position and everybody else on the fucking field. And there is no realistic way that none of these athletes are capable of coaching at the, prof- at the, in the NFL level. Mm-hmm. Like there's so few, there's so few uh, Todd Bowles. Um, and even he's not a head coach. Jim Caldwell, yep. Byron Leftwich. I mean, Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy's look been looked over three, years. four years in a row. Years we've talked about this, and that's yeah. the thing. Like, it, it off, off just just from the eye test, it feels discriminatory because what do all the other sports have uh, that the NFL doesn't? Black head coaches. And it's not even like it's a significant number of black head coaches in other sports. MLB has more black managers than the NFL has black coaches. And the NFL is like 70% black. It makes no fucking sense. It would be like waking up tomorrow and having half of all NHL coaches be black. And just everyone would be like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. It's like, well, yes, the reverse is true the New York Rangers have more black hockey players and the NFL has black head coaches. Okay. Andre Miller and Ryan Reed. Yeah. Is he on the Rangers? Yes. Okay. Look at that. I know Fucking teams. two. It's not a high bar. It's one team. It's a hockey team. <laughs> hockey. We're talking about the whitest sport that God ever whited. And they have more black represent. The New York Rangers have more black representation than the, a group of all 32 NFL head coaches. That's fucking bullshit. It makes absolutely no goddamn sense. And I wouldn't be surprised if the reason that was the case was in part the obvious lack of interest and in, serious interest in hiring black head coaches, but also the debasement of them by offering them situations like, like Flores is claiming he got offered in Miami of, taking uh, money for losses, uh, same thing that Hugh Jackson is claiming, or being fully fucking insulted the way that Flores is claiming like he was in Denver. This is ridiculous. I mean, there have been uh, three head coaching hires so far this um, this season, or four, actually, I think. Four. They are 
Josh McDaniels, who was the offensive coordinator for the Patriots, got hired by the Raiders. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, uh, who got hired by the Broncos, who was the Packers offensive coordinator. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt Eberfluss, who was the defense coordinator of the Bears, got hired. Sorry, defense coordinator of the Colts got hired by the Bears. And then finally, most recently, Brian Dable, who was the offensive coordinator of the Bills, getting hired by the Giants. All four of those guys are fucking white. And look, no one's saying that white people shouldn't. It's not an anti-white stance. It's it's the fact that the Bills might have the same level of offensive success as the Chiefs for a, a year less than the Chiefs have done it. And their offensive coordinator got snack, snatched up before Eric Bieniemy did. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. You can put those two offenses on the same level if you want to. The Chiefs offense at, at their absolute peak is likely still fucking better, as we just saw in a playoff matchup, than the Bills at their absolute peak. But both peaks are very fucking high, so it doesn't really matter that much. The Chiefs have been doing it for a year longer with a much less uh, thought of quarterback at the time of their being drafted. And they that guy still hasn't gotten fucking hired, whereas the Bills guy got hired sooner. It makes no sense. And don't give me the, oh, well, maybe he just isn't really searching for that head coaching position anymore. Like, oh, he's happy with the Chiefs. Oh, he could win championships with the Chiefs. He wants to stay there. He's been very open about the fact that, yeah, I'd really love to be a head coach. That's like a lifelong dream of mine. I know I can do it. I have the talent. Like, it's clear. I have no idea why. You know, I've had good interviews. I really don't even know why this hasn't been something that has worked out. I wouldn't be surprised if these guys are marked as interview fodder. Like, like if the reason that Eric Bieniemy isn't getting hired somewhere else is so that they can keep using him as a guy to interview in off seasons. Cause guess what? If Eric Bieniemy actually got hired by a team like the bears or whoever, that means that every other team would have to go find, Oh darn it. They'd have to go find a new black guy to go interview. So that's what it uh, fucking feels like at this point. I don't think that's true because if they really truly don't give a shit about giving them an honest effort, they don't give a shit who the guy is. It's just a fill in anyway. What do they care if it's a, a truly meaningful, you know, fill in? I have no fuck. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Doesn't make like, like, all right. It doesn't make sense to us, Josh, because we're not racists. So, you know, Brian Dable, Bill's had a good offense. Fine. Whatever. Whatever. Same thing with Josh McDaniels. He's, I mean, really made a lot of his clout during the Brady era, which you can't claim the success of a Hall of Fame quarterback. Look at Adam Gase with Peyton Manning. Eat my balls. But whatever. He has a lot of history there. Nathaniel Hackett. I don't. How? How does Brian Flores? Brian Flores' roster with the with the with the Dolphins is mediocre at best, and he nearly brought that bullshit or team to the playoffs. Nathaniel Hackett got rocked in the first round by Jimmy Garoppolo with a hall of fame quarterback at the helm. And he gets a job faster than Brian Flores or Eric Bieniemy or any of the other deserving black coaches, Todd Bowles, who deserves another shot. His first his only head coaching position being with the jets is not fair to him. You could say the same about Jim Caldwell, who had a outside of the one singular season that I forget the details of it. 
Um, but if like if you remove the one truly unbelievably bad season where there was no hope for that team, he has a winning record. With the Lions of all teams. Right. Like there are so many minority and black coaches that deserve true, you know, honest to God head coaching chances that just either were one and done or just are not even been given the chance. Um, so it doesn't say what his, uh, there it is head coach. Yeah. So his time as head coach, he actually has a winning record as a head coach. 62 and 50 all over overall. Yeah. If you take out that one, there's a a two and 14 season he had with the the Colts in 2011, Mm -hmm. which I think was, they're the, like right before they got Andrew Luck. You know what? Right? That was the tanking season for the Colts. Yeah, that's and the he season got, I'm thinking about. And he got canned. He got canned after that. Yeah. And then and it took him oh, three years to get a new mis- head coaching job. Mysterious tanking. Yeah. Of one season, and oh, you take that out, and he's superstar coach for the Lions then, of all teams. Then he goes to the Lions, goes eleven and five, awesome, seven and nine, which whatever, and then 2016 nine and seven, 2017 nine and seven. Then they fire him, go with Matt Patricia, which why? Like literally why? Uh, six and ten in 2018, three, 12 and one in 2019. Uh, and then they fire him, go to uh, Daryl Bevel for five games, five and 11 in 2020. And how do they do in 2021 with Dan Campbell? Three, 13 and one. Their last winning season was back to back winning seasons, three out of four winning seasons with Jim Caldwell, and he still got axed. I will say I do really like Matt Campbell, but this is about Jim Caldwell not getting the chance, not Matt Campbell being. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you take away that bullshit 2-14 and 14 season, and his record all of a sudden becomes 60-36 and 36 as a head coach. I mean, and this guy hasn't coached, been a head coach since 2017. And I's sorry, 9-7 is not even fucking bad. Most teams would be thrilled to, to be to be nine and seven at this point in time, especially in the AFC. Yeah. Okay. The Steelers having a nine and seven season. That's okay. That's not what we want. We're better than that. The Patriots, we're better than that. We should be doing better. You're the motherfucking Detroit Lions. Yeah. What was the last time you had three winning seasons over four years? Yeah. Most most teams. How about the Dolphins? How about the Jacksonville Jaguars? How about the Jacksonville Jaguars? They went with fucking uh, grind on my dick, Urban Meyer, when they could have had Jim Caldwell, who's actually respectable. Uh, and you, that's the, that's the thing is like you, you can look at these guys if you're if you're against what what Cor and I are saying here and say, find whatever excuse you want. But there's such a pile of people here. It's such an amalgamation of so many head coaches that got fucked. The Todd Bowles thing, him going back to be a defensive coordinator specifically for Bruce Arians. I get that. He had a great relationship with Bruce Arians, taught him a lot, and he had a chance to be on a in a really, really cool competitive situation and won a Super Bowl. Totally get it. Now that he wants to be a head coach again, he absolutely should has earned that 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 opportunity once again. Absolutely. And where is he right now? Is fucking sitting at uh, maybe going on interviews. I, I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. And you can go down a laundry list of 
every black guy who's ever coached in the NFL. And it's all like this. They all get a stint as a head coach doesn't go well. And they're back to being coordinators forever. What about, um, uh, what was it? Anthony Lynn in, in, uh, for the chargers. Where's he been? Where has he been? Uh, I think he just got fired. And it's like, look, I'm not saying that, that the, the guy's great or that you have to stay around forever. But I mean, John Gruden got a 10 year contract of being an analyst. Jeff Fisher hung on to his job for like almost a decade longer than he should have had it for. Yeah, look, don't get me wrong. I love Jeff Fisher, the person, but he is just the quintessential old boys club head coach. See, thing with Adam Gase was an old boys club head coach. You got a call from Peyton Manning and you're just going to jerk off to whatever he says. Like, I, again, I'm not saying that that every uh, black head coach is is infallible and is going to be inherently good at his job. But we see people get multiple opportunities in this league constantly. And black head coaches never get that. Never. They end up being the fall guy for organizational failures and just have to chew on it. And, and, and get knocked down the ladder. It's like they climb all the way up, but really just to be used as scapegoats before they get kicked back down again. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Chargers' real issue is the fact that their health and, or, and wellness coaches are bullshit and they suffer injuries out the ass every single year, which fucks their ability to compete. That's not Anthony Lynn's fucking problem. I just... Well, I think we can all see and know where this is coming from. And it is truly NFL ownership and the boys club that has existed forever with the old white owners of NFL teams. It's got to change. It's unbelievable to me that it hasn't really changed at all ever. There's not a single black owner in the NFL. I think there's only two minority owners total, um, one of which uh, Kim Pagula, who owns the Bills with her husband and uh, the cons in Jacksonville. What, what are we doing here? Like, I would utterly love to see both the Broncos and um, the Dolphins get sold to minority owners and just I don't care if we have just a week of headlines of, oh, were these teams sold to minority owners to help the NFL's image? I don't care. At this point, I don't care because we need to force that level of incorporation that has just been. The Rooney rule was great in theory. Oh, we give them, we give minority uh, coaches the opportunity to interview will naturally get more included in the NFL. It'll naturally break down those barriers and uh, diversity will just happen naturally. Well, guess what? It absolutely hasn't happened that way. And it's really easy to see why, because the owners who are in charge of making these decisions actively don't want it to happen. Yeah. Fuck it. Force some owners to be minorities. That sounds just, that was a dirty sentence. I don't know why I felt that way, but it was. Just do more. It shouldn't have to be this fucking just disgusting to talk about. And, and you know, that, it because it is gross. It is fucking gross. And, and it's, and it's, it, you're right. Like the Rooney rule clearly, clearly is not enough. 
because otherwise we wouldn't be having this conversation however many decades it's been since they enacted it because nothing has changed nothing i i i i'm at a i'm at a and you know they they talked very recently i think or they decided very recently to extend the Rooney rule to be you have to interview uh, two black head coaching candidates now for for vacant positions and it's like how is that even going to help if if these these people are going into these interviews without with the organization knowing damn well they're not going to fucking hire him because they don't care. Mm-hmm. And you can you can you can kick and scream if you listen to this about how wrong stuff like affirmative action is and suck my fucking balls because guess what without drastic measures this isn't fucking changing. It's not because the people on top don't want it to. They they don't. They are perfectly content seeing white dudes on the sideline, no matter how audacious uh, they are, how bad at their job they are, how little confidence others in the organization may have in them. It's, it's fucking pathetic. It's fucking pathetic. And you know what? And that's why it's great on Bri- fucking good on Brian Flores, who's risking his entire career at this point and taking this shit to court. To, to let it all be aired out, not just some internal we've investigated ourselves and found we did nothing wrong kind of bullshit, because that's exactly what the NFL would do. That's what they did to Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Now, actually, oh, man, I couldn't imagine having these kind of receipts uh, when everything happened with Colin Kaepernick. And, you know, that's what I was going to I'm going to ask you next, because you know we've seen. uh in, in my lifetime, I've seen, you've seen Barry, Barry Bonds and Colin Kaepernick forced out of their teams for different reasons, largely, but forced out of the sport in what is kind of, you know, this quiet, uh, all right, nobody hire them kind of, kind of way. And it feels easier to do that than it is with uh, a head coaching candidate. Like, it feels like there needs to be a little bit more of a deliberate nature in what Brian Flores is talking about, which is why I feel like maybe this actually has better chance of achieving something in a, in a systemic change kind of way than Kaepernick's uh, lawsuits against the NFL did. But what, what do you think? Do you think, what do you think the odds are that this, this goes somewhere? As a whole suit, I think it has a very, very high chance of going somewhere. Like I said before, I think it's mostly due to the fact that league integrity is on the line in the form of, honest to God, dollars and cents from sports gambling. Um, I will say if the addition of other coaches and other plaintiffs in this suit uh, are true and you know other guys do join in and, and have the ability to bring evidence with them I think there will be a pretty substantial change because this is a monumental story um, the problem falls upon the complete and utter lack of faith in good old boy Roger Goodell um, in the good old fashioned American judicial system right and the just unbelievable um, say what you will about Roger Goodell and all of his negatives. He truly excels at sweeping things under the rug. Um, and that's just one of his biggest strengths. And I think we're going to see a lot of that here. It is true. He truly is a testament to uh, bending all to his will, whether it be 
with uh, moving past the Colin Kaepernick thing uh, or blackballing to be more specific, or even the handling of deflate gate, which he refused to lie down on and managed to suspend Brady for four games. Anyway, I, I, he really has excelled at um, forcing his view or want to do things on everyone. Uh, and it's going to make for an interesting case because I, I I don't know the intricacies of any law, uh, <laughs> not not a one. And I definitely don't know the intricacies of uh, what, you know, various laws or, um, I don't know, standards there are around how to classify racial discrimination or how to prove it in in a, in a suit. I don't know how, how difficult it is. I assume, again, knowing the American judicial system, it's very fucking difficult because why should we assume that anybody's racist? No one's racist. We cured racism back in the 50s, folks. Racism isn't even real anymore. Um, Ruby Bridges who? <laughs> uh, but she's alive, I think, still. Like, it's just why. Anyway. Um, and, but I, I, I do, I can't help but think that this actually does have a chance of at the very least drawing not just more attention, but drawing more details out. And with the additional third-party money that comes with now, as you said, gambling, um, and what the NFL is accused of doing just on that front, this could get messy real quick in a, a very positive way. And it's going to be interesting to see how the NFL wants to address it because they've been very big in the last two years about we're going to slap some decals on the back of our helmets and say, end racism, stop the hate. And uh, we're going to, we're going to have a, a, you know, a, a black history uh, night at the stadiums where everyone wears their dashikis with, 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 uh, and, and everyone gets served uh, traditional African dishes and, and, and we'll, we'll play those, those funny little drums with that make the sounds. And it's like, oh, none of that's none of that's what anybody wants. And all of this feels like you're trying to placate a group of people that fucking hate you because you're you're doing the racisms. And it's going to be interesting to see how they respond, because if they had any sincerity, they would say we clearly have and this would be still be a lie. But here's here's a more gentle version of something that they could say to, to, to even just placate this. Um we have rules and procedures in place to make ensure that black candidates get hired. Clearly they have not been successful and have failed because we have, do not have a lot of black head coaches. That problem is on us. We will take care of it internally. The more serious allegations that Brian Flores has made are wrong or whatever, or, or you know, we'll let the, the, we'll figure it out before we say anything in court. Who fucking cares? Like they, they could have addressed it in a way that says, acknowledge some of their own failings, which are, again, so fucking obvious. You have one black head coach. Uh, but instead, it's deny, deny, deny. And this is why it's so tough to take any corporate entity seriously when they say, stop the hate. Racism is wrong. Uh, because the second they get told they're doing something racist, they go, no, no, no. It's not even real. Fuck you. You're making it all up. Racism is imaginary. Ruby Bridges was never a real person. It's all a lie. Um, and, and this, I actually feel like has a chance. I maybe, uh, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not jaded enough yet, but I really do feel like this has a chance. It's one of those things where, you know, 
every time a story comes out that's just a little bit bigger that's just a little bit dirtier that just deserves just adds a little more fuel to the fire you just you think this is finally it it's finally going to happen time and time again we've been let down it's been swept under the rug it's been just beaten down until it's you know we get gaslit whatever it may be i still have a lot of hope in this i'm just i'm i'm pumping the brakes on myself just i don't want to get hurt again you know tired of getting hurt i think anymore (laughs) i think an annoying win for this would be uh they settle out of court for uh, money and then that's mm-hmm. it. Nothing changes or mm-hmm. they, they even lose in court and the punishment is a fine, which is like, you can still be racist, but it's going to cost you like $11. And the NFL is like, Oh, okay. Um, and they don't care because in your organization, you know, $50 million, when you're a billion plus, you know, a team's about to be sold for $4 billion. So if you just multiply that by 32, you know, mm-hmm. when, when you're a big, big $100 billion industry, uh, $50 million, it might as well be $11 because you're not going to fucking notice it. It's You're not going to notice it at all. We're talking uh, streaming rights for like two games. Like who cares? There's 16 games a week for 18 weeks. Who cares? I... So that uh, that's that's my only concern is that you see a fine and you chalk it up as a win, but without systemic change, what good does a fine do? Uh, hey, maybe it would be great for Brian Flores to at least compensate him for taking this chance by giving him the money that he would have earned as a coach um, so he doesn't have to keep debasing himself in these interviews for NFL head coaching jobs and he can – provide for his family that'd be fine but it, it's it sucks to see these things that could really actually in, instigate some kind of change to see them just settled with fines and, and and dollars and cents but man this is uh this is real shit this is real uh, this is something you and i have been angry about every single off season and it, something's finally happening mm-hmm. well it it now seems like something's happening. No, just, a lawsuit. I, a lawsuit is something happening. Something. Okay. Yeah, it is. Physically, there's currently something happening. We'll see what results come. Yeah. So, we'll, we will keep updated uh, on on the situation, and you know, as as more things come out, as more progress gets made. We will uh, we'll talk about it. The NFL released a statement. It basically said Brian Flores is insane. None of this shit's happening. He's a liar. Um, so that's not a worthwhile statement to really discuss. And it is wrong. So whatever. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff that happened in the sports world this past week, uh, specifically the, the world of the NFL. So we're going to keep moving, but we will uh, come back to this in the future as more things unfold. Uh, so the other big piece of news from this past week is Tom Brady retired. Uh, There was some confusion around it because at first it was leaked, I guess, that he was planning on retiring and and his uh, his, uh, manager said, he's not even close to making a decision. Fuck you. Who are you talking about? I don't know that man. And and then two days later, Tom Brady was like, "Ah, I'm retiring. Uh, 
I truly wanted Tom Brady to play another season just purely to spite Adam Schefter. That, see, I don't that's want him where... to play another season because I don't want him in the NFL anymore. I'm sick of that fucking asshole winning every year. But the pettiness would have been something I could at least support. I, uh... That would have been fucking funny. I'm so fucking mad that he didn't go out on a 2-14 and 14 season. I will, I'm so fucking annoyed that he didn't go out like with 20 interceptions and eight touchdowns and like 2000 passing yards and just looking like a shell of his former self and on a bad team that he made bad. I hate the fact he's going out on top. I hate it. I hate, and it's petty as fuck. Guess what? This man ruined my childhood. Fuck you. I have no sympathy. Get him. Fuck this whole, oh man, gotta respect him. He's leaving the game. One of the best to ever do it. You gotta respect that. No, I fucking don't, bitch. We're out here rooting for people wearing the right clothes. I can be as petty as I fucking want. Fuck this bitch to death. Get him out of here. I hope his retirement is awful and his kids grow up to hate him. Fuck that guy. You know what's even better? I think he's almost a shoe in for the MVP this season, though. I don't even care. Fuck it. We're going to get there when we get there. Fuck this guy. I'm happy he's out of the NFL. I wish it was on a low note. I hope the rest of his life is fucking horrible. And the best part is it's going to be one of the best lives any human. That's going to be amazing. I know it's going to be amazing. (laughs) I know it is. Fuck him to death anyway. I I, I don't care. I hope he gets a divorce. I, I do not like this man. He ruined my childhood and my 20s. This man has been the head, the, 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 the quarterback of the New England Patriots from Josh aged seven to 27 or some shit like that. Fuck him. I don't like it. <laughs> Stop. I want off this wild ride. I'm not enjoying it. Keep getting away with this. And he did for 20 years. So let's talk about the numbers because it's what we do when somebody retires. Suck my balls. Ah, Tom Brady, 22 seasons, uh, 20 with New England, the New England Patriots, two with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I really can't believe I, I, I don't know why, but I could have sworn it was three at this point, but time is what it is. Uh, he finishes his career having led the NFL in completions once, attempts twice, completion percent once, yards four times, including this past season, touchdowns four times, including this past season, uh, touchdown percent twice, Never in interceptions, although four times in interception percent. Uh, he also led in longest pass. Well, who gives a fuck about that stat? Uh, yards uh, per pass attempt. He led once uh, adjusted yards per pass attempt. He led twice. Never led in yards per completion. Led in yards per game three times, including this season. Led in quarterback rating twice. QBR twice. Uh, net yards per attempt once and adjusted net yards per attempt twice. He also won three MVP awards, two offensive player of the year awards and finished top five in MVP voting. Ah, fuck one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times with a chance for that to be 10. Once we get MVP voting results for this season, Um, his final is career stat line. Uh, he has 
a career quarterback record of 243 and 73. Fuck you. Fuck yourself. Um, you finish his Please, Jim Caldwell's got himself. Um, he finishes his career with 7,263 completions on 11,317 attempts. That's a completion percent lifetime of 64.2, 84,520 yards, 624 touchdowns, 203 interceptions. Uh, who cares about his first downs at all? Uh, yards per attempt, 7.5, adjusted yards per attempt, 7.8, yards per completion. 11.6 yards per game, 265.8. Uh, got sacked 543 times for three, 3,416 yards. Um, he has won seven Super Bowls. We could do the same big rattling off for all of his playoff stats, but who wants to do that? Who cares? Eat my balls. That's Tom Brady. Fuck you. Fuck you, Tom Brady. 15-time Pro Bowl, three-time All-Pro, seven-time Super Bowl champ, three-time MVP, five-time Super Bowl MVP, Hall of Fame All-2000s team, Hall of Fame All-2010 team, 2007 AP Offensive Player of the Year, 2007 Burt Bell Award, 2007 PFWA Offensive Player of the Year, 2009 Comeback Player of the Year, 2010 AP Offensive Player of the Year, uh, whatever. Who cares? Fuck you, Tom Brady. <laughs> Fuck you, Tom Brady. Uh, uh, what, what do you think? There's been a lot that's happened over the course of Tom Brady's career, which is obvious when you play for 22 years, that's a quarter of a century. So yeah, a lot's going to happen. Uh, and he has a lot of facets to his legacy that I'm sure will feel certain ways as time goes by. But if you had to pick a moment, a year, a season, like whatever, like, what do you think le- Brady's legacy will be as we look back on it? Uh, I don't know five years, 10, 10 years from now, who cares? No joke. Do you want to know the honestly God first thing that jumped into my mind? Yes, I do. Any guesses? Um, I know. I have no guess. Kissing his fucking kid on the mouth. Just like you know what? That, is still, that is still <laughs> the first thing I think of when I think of Tom Brady. No, I first thought when I saw his retirement, I was, ah, oh, plenty of time to kiss your kid in the fucking lips, you goddamn freak. You gross motherfucker. Um, yeah, uh, outside of that disgusting act, I mean, it's just going to be the fact that he's been to 10 Super Bowls in 22 years. It's gross. It's disgusting. It's unfair, and I hate it. It's un-American is what it is. True. It is un-American. Tom Brady hates America. And you can tell by the fact he keeps voting Republican. We don't talk about that. Yeah, that, that's the thing is um, I, I don't know a lot of other quarterback or athletes that I really likes politics. There's very few athletes whose politics I'm like firm on. And that's part of what makes me so makes it so easy to hate Tom Brady is I know his politics Rogers. and they, they, they suck ass. Who? Uh, we, we know Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, same thing. Like Rodgers' legacy at this point, if he ends up retiring within the next three years, is going to be this past season where he lied about being vaccinated, went on conspiracy theory-laden rants, cried about being um, silenced on national television several times, uh, and all around acted like a whiny little bitch. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's going to be part of Brady's legacy for me. Like, I will not tell my kids fondly of Tom Brady. Like, I, I, I won't. I, I will have not enjoyed it. I don't know how you could, honestly. <laughs> I don't to be completely serious. I don't know how you can, as, as a football fan that is not a Patriots fan, speak fondly in the years going by of Tom Brady because he tormented you had less than than your fair shot of making the Super Bowl any given year in the AFC because of Tom Brady for for 20 years. Like it's not just the Jets, Dolphins and Bills who felt this wrath. Every team in the AFC had to go through the Patriots and the Patriots always won. It felt like I don't know how you fondly back on Tom Brady. Yeah, no, the fight wasn't to make it to the Super Bowl. It was, okay, let's just make make it to the AFC Championship game so we can go lose to Tom Brady, and, and maybe there's a chance we could beat him. But it, it really was just, let's see what happens when we get to Tom Brady, not we're going for the Super Bowl through and through. Right. And... And that's why it's 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 a level of, of, of dominance, which, again, I understand it's because he's so dominant. I don't need anybody to tell me it's because you're just hating because he was really good. Yeah, fuck face, obviously. Fucking no shit. No one hates Nathan Peterman for being bad, you know, five years after he left the NFL. Like, yeah, I hate Tom Brady because he was very, very fucking good. I got it. You're not some kind of Voltaire-ass genius. Um, but for real, like, you know, John Elway or uh, or Dan Marino, like Dan Marino being really good, but not being much of a threat in the playoffs because this, this you know, the team lost a lot. Like it makes it tough to look back on, on the career of Dan Marino and be like, ah, fuck Dan Marino. Um, Cause he didn't, he didn't cream your team. Same thing with, Pey- with, same thing with Peyton Manning for our lifetimes. Like it's so easy for me to look back on Peyton Manning and be like, ah, I fucking love Peyton Manning. Because my, my team only played him in the playoffs one time and we beat them. Uh, and, and also, it, it's not like he was the unstoppable force in the playoffs that was always in the Super Bowl or at least always in the AFC Championship game. And you felt like you were constantly having to pick a side which was either with him or against because he was always there. It wasn't the case. And because everyone has that exposure with Tom Brady, especially in the AFC, I genuinely don't know how most football fans are going to look back and be like, ah, so glad I got to witness it. No, fuck it. Wish it never happened. It, yeah, I mean, it comes down to, well, it's like, what, 10 years ago, we were still having the debate of, oh, is it Peyton Manning or is it Tom Brady? We all liked Peyton Manning. We all wanted Peyton Manning to be the guy. And that's, I feel like a lot of the reason why we had that debate was like, we want Peyton Manning to be the best of all time. And unfortunately, Tom Brady has kind of just suplexed that argument directly into the ground. Um, And it sucks because nobody wants to like Tom Brady. If you're not from New England, you really don't want to like Tom Brady. Because you're right. He has just bullied a league for 22 years. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that's all there is to it. So, uh, you know, he's going to be a first ballot. It, like, and he's also, it's not an interesting thing to talk about at this point because, yeah, he was really good and he won a bunch of Super Bowls and he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, like, he's so good, it's not an interesting conversation. No, like, if, like, if Barry not. Bonds made the first ballot 
made the Hall of Fame in his first ballot, there'd be so much less to talk about with Barry Bonds. And there'd still be a lot to talk about with Barry Bonds. For sure, because he was very, very fucking good. But there'd be so much less to talk about because most of what we end up talking about with Barry Bonds these days is, look at all these stats, how is he not in the Hall of Fame? And that's like Tom Brady, but with less interesting markers because if we're being honest, like I know what the home run record is off the top of my head. Most baseball fans who are like, you know, real big on baseball know what the home record home run record is off the top of their heads. Corbin, what, what's the, what's the touchdown record? 55 before. No, I mean all time. Oh, no idea. I, I don't fuck. I don't fucking what's the, what's the yard record? Oh, no, I can't count that high in numbers, so I, I don't know. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think any um, any baseball fan knows the, the the single season home run record, which is Barry Bonds with uh, 70, oh, fuck, 71, 72, 73. So I'm, I'm going to say 73. I'm, I'm going to say 73. Everyone knows Barry Bonds holds the home run record with 600, 762. And before that, it was Henry Aaron with 755. And before that, it was Babe Ruth with 714. Like, like these are numbers that baseball fans will have internalized because those numbers are sacred to baseball. Whereas... 24. Uh, Ruba, nope, that's walks. Fuck me. 73, <laughs> you were right. There we go. Um, whereas, let's see, the career passing touchdown leader, it's probably Brady. I just want to know what the number is. It is Brady. Uh, yeah, 624. Who fucking cares about that number? I will have to be reminded of that number every single time it will ever come up. Mm-hmm. I will forget that number immediately after this conversation. And that's part of what Correct. also makes talking about Brady a lot less interesting. Cause it's like, yeah, he was really, I don't know all the numbers cause who fucking cares, but I bet they're all really high. They're all really high. And because he was the one that threw them, I don't care about them. No, no, not, not, not at all. I am curious, though. Like, I, I hate Tom Brady because he's bullied us for 22 years and it's there's never been any relief. I am genuinely curious about in 22 more years if my hate for him will stand. I know it will for you because yes. you have done so on a much more personal level. I only ever have to really worry about losing a game to Tom Brady once a year if we face them in the playoffs, which by all means is small potatoes compared to him leading your division for the entirety of your life. Um, I'm curious to see if my disdain for him will, will falter. Uh, I, I don't think it will. It'll also be interesting because of how young the NFL is right now. Like, it's not like, like when, when, in the last couple of years, it felt like uh, Breeze was chasing some records uh, that Manning had just set, and then Brady was chasing some records that Breeze had just set, and and there was a lot of like very constant record breaking because there was always someone who was like just a couple years younger or was going to play just a couple years longer to to break that next barrier. And I don't think there's there's a guy like that right now. You know, there's not like a a guy who's fucking 36 who has a bunch of counting stats right now that we're going to talk about in three years being capable of breaking one of even coming close to breaking one of these, like Patrick Mahomes would have to keep doing this for a decade 
You know what I mean? Right. To even start I mean, being in the conversation. So it, it's, it's also tough because so, it's, it, we're not going to talk about Brady a lot really until those counting stats start to get met in that kind of way. How long will Aaron Rodgers have to keep up his current pace or at least like, I don't know, 80% of his current pace before he even comes close to that conversation? For which stat do you think? Pick one. Let's do passing yards. Uh, yards. Okay. I feel like that's a pretty normal one. Okay, so currently Rodgers is 10th all-time in passing yards. He is about 29,000 passing yards behind Tom Brady. Okay, so, you know, forever. Literally, it would be 50% more than his current passing yards. Rodgers has 55,000. Uh, Brady is retiring with 84.5. So he's what, 36 years old? He just played his age 38 season. Cool. So his average yards per so game. That's what, like 16 years in the league? So he'd have to play until he's 46 years old. His average yards per game is uh, 260 just about. So that times 18, 17 games in a season is 4,420 yards per season. Uh, he has to have uh, 29,000 more yards. So 4,420. So 29,000, give or take, divided by 4,420 is another 6.6 seasons. So essentially seven seasons if we're rounding up. So he'd have to, he'd have to play till he's 45. He'd have to play till Tom yeah. Brady's past Tom Brady's current age, which um, oh. is woefully unrealistic. See, so, yeah. again, like the the wrong part of me, the, there's two parts of me, the, the part that's right and the part that's wrong. The wrong part of me wants Tom Brady to keep going until he just can't play anymore. Like I want him to finally hit the ceiling or the floor just so that we could see truly how ridiculous his counting stats over his career would be. I just want to see some stupid fucking numbers when he plays for four more seasons passing for 5,000 yards. Uh, You are alone in that. I know. Oh, I know. And I know that when it comes down to it, I don't want that. I just kind of want to see, like, I want to, I've never seen someone hit 74 home runs, 73 home runs in a season. I'd love to see what that's like. I've never even been able to think about what it would be like to watch someone hit 762 home runs in, in their career. I just want to, I just want to see that shit, man. All right. I want to see your face. And I tell you this, that thing I just saw that I don't like in 14 seasons using the uh-huh. same 14 seasons. Okay. Matt Ryan has more passing yards than Aaron Rodgers. That's really funny. Matt Ryan has more. Really you be, funny. You might be saying to yourself, but Josh, Aaron Rodgers had like three years of his career where he sat behind Brett Favre. Yeah, I didn't count those years. <laughs> I counted only the years Rodgers was actually a starter. And he still has fewer passing yards than Matt Ryan. I've never heard someone say anything negative about Matt Ryan. For reference, and I Matt bet Ryan, his family loves him. Uh, sorry, Aaron Rodgers again, fifty-five thousand passing yards. Matt Ryan just three hundred yards shy of sixty thousand passing yards. We're talking more than a season's worth of passing yards. That's so fucking funny. 
Yeah. So as it stands right now, especially because Matt Ryan is two years younger than Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan would have a better chance of breaking <laughs> Tom Brady's passing yards record than Aaron Rodgers would, which isn't a high odds, but it is very funny that theoretically speaking, Matt Ryan has a better chance of breaking Brady's passing yards record than Aaron Rodgers does. I like that. That makes me happy. Very dark horse likelihood. And now we are. Yeah, I, I would love the dark horse probability of Matt Ryan coming to the Steelers. I mean, it's been rumored he his on his last year with the Falcons as they kind of start their rebuild and everything that's going on there. Just I know it's an outside in shot, but boy, I'd love to see some Matt Ryan in the black and gold putting up some decent numbers in his twilight years, being able to throw the ball more than ten yards downfield. That'd be that'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, this was the first season since 2010 that Matt Ryan didn't throw for 4,000 yards. And he only didn't throw for 4,000 yards by 32 yards. The first time in a decade he didn't throw for at least 4,000 yards. Unreal consistency. Yeah, I mean, the dude, in in his career, he has – only not started three games. That's fucking nuts. Wow. In his entire fucking career, he has only wow. missed three games. And a league MVP. And almost had one of Tom Brady's Super Bowl rings. Should have. Should have. Fuck you, Dan Quinn. Fuck you forever. Everyone knows everyone named Quinn is the worst. <laughs> Because <laughs> Corin checks his walls, <laughs> checking for like the hereditary, like in the corner of the wall, just spider, yeah. spider woman. Tia Leone, what? <laughs> uh, so funny enough, because we've been going for a while, and we need to wrap up. Um, we do need to actually talk about the championship games since they did happen last week. So let's do those, I guess, real quick, and 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 then we'll get out of here. There's been so much to talk about that the fact that the penultimate games of the season happened uh, and they are only now making their way into our like list or our ranked order of importance. So it's not like they were boring. No, uh, let's start chronologically. Cause I think the, the, the mood will match how it felt watching them from what I understand. I'm, I missed both these games, which was very heartbreaking for me. So Corwin's going to have to help me out a bit. Um, but the first game was, and upset as the Kansas City Chiefs fell to the Cincinnati Bengals in overtime by a score of 27 to 24 as the Bengals scored uh, three in the first, seven in the second, uh, 11 in the third, three in the fourth, and scored the game-winning field goal in overtime. The Chiefs, seven in the first, 14 in the second, and then fell apart, scoring no points in the third and barely scrounging together three points in the fourth quarter to tie the game to allow it to go to overtime. Chiefs literally scoring the game tying field goal with zero seconds left on the clock and then lost in overtime at the 922 mark on the Evan McPherson field goal. 
So, Corwin, you actually watched this. Before we even begin, is this the best year for playoff football, arguably ever, with seemingly every game coming down to either a field goal with no time on the clock or going to overtime or just absolute craziness throughout the course of the game? There's been so been many game so time exciting. or or Lee changing like last minute drives. It's been fantastic. I, I, I didn't even see this. I was following along while I was out and about. Um, and I was like glued to my phone. I, I this was so cool. This um, whole season. Like you said, this whole post yeah. has been amazing. I will say as a Steelers fan watching the Bengals in the playoffs, naturally is it, it feels wrong. But now living with a Bengals fan. This was a truly exciting game to watch. Um, the Chiefs basically were able to score at will whenever they so choose, so chose in the first half. I mean, at least up until the final drive of the of the first half, the Bengals had truly no answer for the Chiefs' offense, and this was looking like it was going to be a truly spectacular blowout. Um, by the end of the half, like there was no hope. And then kind of out of nowhere, Joe Burrow decided to just pull his dick out and just whip it across Pat Mahomes face. And it's a tale of two halves, exactly how it went in week 17, where the chiefs dominated for an entire half, go into halftime, come out and they look like they switched uniforms where the I mean, Pat Mahomes looked bad in the second half. He was making bad decisions. He was scrambling. He was doing what he could. But at the end of the day, like he just wasn't making the throws that he usually makes and making poor choices, trying to force the ball into windows that shouldn't be. And Joe Burrow just was electric. You know, his connection with Jamar Chase just – was energized. I mean, they were able to work him into the game and, and getting Chase involved completely changed that offense. And I mean, it comes down to the, like, if you watch the week 17 game, you know exactly how this game played out because it's just a carbon copy. An excellent, excellent football game. Yeah. I'm trying to find it broken out by half i'm not sure if pro football reference does that on its own um but in terms of overall game performance joe burrow 23 for 38 250 yards two touchdowns one interception one sack uh quarterback rating of 86.5 he also had five rushing attempts for 25 yards uh patrick mahomes 26 for 39 275 yards three touchdowns two interceptions and a quarterback rating of 91.3 also with three rushing attempts for 19 yards. So really it seems pretty close. If you look at the stat sheet, what's up? One stat I remember he had a near, like he had a 149.9 Pat Mahomes. I should say he had a 149.9 passer rating in the first half and a zero in the second half. I recall seeing that as well. That's why I was trying to find it broken out between the halves to uh, to go through the full splits to kind of accentuate that. Unfortunately, I do not see it here on uh, Pro Football References stats sheet. But, yeah, I, I mean, that really shows 
how the average of your stats over the course of a game do not necessarily paint an entire picture. And again, we talked about this a little bit with um, when Rodgers and the Packers lost to the Niners, that having your team's success plan be built around your success means that if you don't play well, then fuck, the team does not play well. And granted, the Chiefs, I don't think necessarily are their offensive plan is based around Patrick Mahomes nearly to the same extent that the Packers is because the Chiefs, I think, are better overall, like all around in offense than the Packers are. Um, the Packers are definitely way more Rodgers dependent. The Chiefs are still very, very largely uh, dependent upon Patrick Mahomes. And so for him to fall like that is bad. Very, very bad. No kidding. Um, I don't really have a whole ton to say, I guess, uh, in addition to that. I mean, it was just kind of, uh, boy, the Chiefs just shot themselves in the foot mightily. Um, not even shot themselves in the foot, per se, as much as it was just they kind of just choked it away. I mean, they, they had this game won. I mean, Quinn left the room. She went to go just be anywhere but there, just did not want to see it, did not want to witness it, did not want to, you know, be put through that any longer than she already had been. And it was a complete opposite in the second half. Uh, So in terms of, I guess, like repercussions, fallout, for these teams, uh, let's talk about the team that actually lost this game. What do you think this means for the Chiefs? Um, this was really supposed to be an easy, quote-unquote, easy game for them, coming off the Bills as being kind of like their their last big-time competitor left in the AFC. The Bengals comparatively very barely won their division. Um had a rather up and down season, you know, had an easier road to the playoffs through the playoffs. Um, and I mean, bang, the Bengals ran a muck in the second half on them. So what do you think this means for the chiefs? I don't really think there's much that's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the same team that's going to be coming back next year. They really, aren't a team that you watch and think, man, this was really their only chance. There's not much else they can do here. It's kind of over for them. You know, this was their opportunity, their windows closed, blah, 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 blah. It's like they're still the team that's likely going to be the dynasty for the next foreseeable future. I just, uh, I don't think much changes for them next year or moving forward. Do you, do you think the Chiefs could potentially become like a, a Rams-type situation where they just start acquiring, acquiring anyone who's ever been named to an All-Pro in their entire career? No, because I, I really don't. Because they have Mahomes under contract for so long, I don't think they would be willing to kind of mortgage their future so consistently for the window they're in. I mean, well, that's why I was wondering if they might mortgage their future. Because if you, you got to think, if you have 
a generational quarterback locked in for like a decade, then how much does that first round pick really mean to you? You know what I mean? It's not the first round pick as much as it is structuring contracts to be very um, backloaded so that you can fit a lot more of them in now. And then basically the way it you would structure it is, all right, we'll sign you to a five-year deal where the first two years are just incredibly small cap hits. And then the final three years are these just absolute monstrosities that we're just going to keep pushing down the line so that when our window closes, we're not going to have nearly as many uh, massive contracts on our roster and we can kind of fit them in when we're still trying to rebuild and piece things together and all that. If your window is 15 years long, you really don't, or at least in my mind, you wouldn't want to have that just truly disgusting five-year period of we can't do anything whatsoever at all because we have these just white whales of contracts that we can't do anything about. But can't, and so can't they you're just, just kind of turn um, whatever a given year's cap hit into a signing bonus so that it gets dispersed amongst the other years? It doesn't get dispersed. It goes on to the next year. Does it go on? I thought it got av- averaged out across the remaining years of the contract or something. Um, I think if it's like the initial, if you're signing them to initial contract, sure. But then it's, you know, you're not signing veteran players to like six-year deals. So it's really not much of a breakdown. No, uh, looks like I'm right, you dumb bitch. Um, But even so, like, if you're signing, you know, a 30-year-old defensive end who's, you know, like the Von Miller deal, you're only signing him for like two, three years. It doesn't really do much to reduce the overall numbers per year. No, but I'm saying if if your concern is that you're paying Patrick Mahomes a lot, and you want to free up cap space in the next for any given, I don't know, let's say like three year window, you can convert a portion of his salary for a current year into a signing bonus so that it gets dispersed over the remaining years of the contract to try to free up money in the immediate uh, for additional room for other players. There's cap room chicanery, I think, that could happen with it, but we're getting lost in the weeds on this. I know that there's cap room chicanery. I just, there is always a, a point where you can't keep pushing it any further. And that's where well, the Saints are right now. And but that's the also Saints why did it for years, and now they're $75 million over the cap just for next year without a quarterback, without... I blame know, Taysom Hill. Uh, you should blame Sean Payton for believing in Taysom Hill. I blame Sean Payton for a lot of things. Uh, and, but it's an interesting point about which direction the NFL ends up heading in. We see super teams being very common in the NBA now. And, you know, the NFL kind of kind of has their version with, with the Rams. I only say hesitantly kind of because a lot of players on the Rams are, I don't want to say past their primes, but definitely 
not in their direct primes and are not necessarily like the quality, the same top, top tier as in, say, the NBA, but still there is a concern. Free safety is a 35 year old who hasn't played NFL football in two years. Yeah. Uh, that. <laughs> so, and, and, with, and with a 52 man roster, like it's harder to, to just kind of go do that. But I do have to wonder that, like, if, if you end up going towards this arms race kind of thing to maintain your success, or if the NFL moves towards a model that's more sustainable through coaching and development, like the Rams have, have done a really good job with the coaching side of it and also acquiring a lot of players. Uh, but is that sustainable for everybody? Probably not. Otherwise it seems as though the league would be in a pretty tough spot. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that, you know, like say MLB teams are that aren't are, are not on the competing end. Like, like the NFL does not need Orioles like teams where they just become farm teams for everybody else. So please God NFL do not let the Orioles franchise be something that is possible in the NFL. Right. Because those teams are just end up getting funneled to whichever teams are doing well in the moment. Teams like the Rams, uh, the Cardinals, the chiefs, whoever, you know, but it'll be interesting to see how the chiefs proceed next year. Cause one of the other things is fans and by extensions owners who are not any smarter about football than fans are uh, when a season ends early, you want to see something happen in your off season. And even though we as relatively analytically minded people can say playoffs are a crapshoot, They're always a crapshoot. The best team does not always win part of what makes the playoffs fun is that the best team doesn't always win. Um, that doesn't necessarily translate into what happens with off-season moves. And so... Those are not the best team in the AFC. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the Niners are not the second best team in the AFC. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> at, at all. So... But it, it it's tough because if that if you're, if the coach comes out and the GM comes out, you know, two months from now and says, no, nah, we're a good team. We don't have to fucking do anything. Suck my balls. We're all going to go, Hey, you might be right, but that's not a good look. And the owner might say the same thing. So it, it, I, I wonder how, how far it, it goes. You and I can sit here and know that the chiefs are going back here next year because they have Pat Mahomes and a bunch of good offensive pieces that are still in the contract. Like you and I know that, mm-hmm. but how much do the, does the hunt family know that or care or are they going to force the gm of the chiefs to go out and sign four new players of of large contract size or whatever to make some type of impression of turnover of increased concern about playoff viability whatever that that's the part i'm going to be interested to see what happens with the chiefs uh, I predict not. I think they maintain status quo. You're a born little bitch. Well, like they don't need to. Oh, I, they I, don't. I know that. Like they just don't. Yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. We 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 can both acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh, for the Bengals, uh, they haven't won a playoff game since uh, what 1992, and now they're in the Super Bowl. And I gotta say, if you're a Bengals fan, I don't know how you're not rooting for. I don't know how you're not happy with this season, win or lose. Obviously, you want to win. Obviously. But you made it to the fucking Super Bowl. With an awful offensive line. 
Yeah, like, and it, yeah. You should not have won two of the past three games, let alone, you know, doing so the way you did. Yeah. This is a mar- this is a like Baltimore Ravens playoff push. This is a New York Giants playoff push, kind of just like, yeah, somehow they made it to the Super Bowl. Fuck it, just, just fucking win it. A few years ago, yeah. Yeah, just fucking win it. I mean, it, it's... Destiny's child, man. Hmm. It's all about getting hot at the right time, man. Uh, but and boy, Joe Burrow is hot. He is one sexy, sexy bitch. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Bengals have a, a mediocre defense, 16th in the NFL for most points allowed, like really just square, dead in the middle. They have a shit off- offensive line, but they have a, a good receiving core and they have a great quarterback. The fact that they don't really have a running back doesn't matter. Uh, they're doing it, man. They're, they're just pushing. Yeah, they got Joe Mixon. He's a good running back. Yeah, but I wouldn't say he's like, you know, like a, a top five running back in the league, would you? Not top five. Top I ten? A, I think he's a top ten running back in the league, yeah. It is small potatoes. It doesn't fucking matter. Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say, give me top 10 running backs, but uh, man, I don't fucking care. Name the uh, five greatest rappers of all time. Dylan, 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 and Dylan. Why? Because I spit hot fire. I don't like you. <laughs> you should. Um, yeah, so really, uh, my, my big takeaway for the Bengals is go big cats. Oh my god! Um, all right, so then let's move on to the second game, which uh, was also a field goal winning, a single field goal winner of a game, in which the Los Angeles Rams took down the San Francisco 49ers by a score of twenty to seventeen, and the Rams are now going to go on to be the second team in consecutive years to play the Super Bowl, play in the Super Bowl in their home stadium. It was done yeah. for the first time last year when the Bucks played in Tampa Bay. And now the Rams are doing the exact same thing for only the second time in the immediate following season. Um, but anyway, this Minnesota game. Minnesota should have done it three years ago, but fuck the refs. Um, and fuck Minnesota. I don't know anything about your city. Fuck, fuck Kirk Cousins. Fuck Kirk Cousins, a thing that we can yeah. all agree on. Uh, he, he he made the Pro Bowl. He does. Uh, he made the Pro Bowl this year, and I just that does it. not sit well with me. <laughs> he should making the Pro Bowl is a, is a handshake at this point. I know. Um, fucking... So I did not watch this game. Just a quick recap: nobody scored in the first quarter. Uh, in the second, uh, Niners scored ten. Rams scored seven. In the third, Niners scored seven. Rams scored nothing. And then the fourth quarter, Niners fell apart putting together absolutely nothing. And the Rams scored 13 unanswered points, including a 30 yard field goal with a minute 46 left to go in the game that ended up sealing it for them as Matt Gay, uh, who I did not know was the kicker for the Rams at all. Uh, won them the game with consecutive field goals in uh, at the 649 mark and the 146 mark in the fourth quarter. So Corwin, tell me about this game. Uh, by comparison, it was very boring. Um, I don't think either quarterback played all that great. I think Jimmy Grappolo played arguably ungood. Um, 
one could even say bad. Um, I will be honest, I paid significantly less attention to this game after giving just all of my attention and energy to the Bengals game. Um, and it really didn't, there was never a point that really grabbed me like and drew me in the way there was like six of them in the Bengals game. Um, I'm happy that the Rams made it. I would have loved to see Kyle Shanahan go on. I love me some Kyle Shanahan. But I mean, Matthew, Matthew Stafford going to the Super Bowl, you know, just the Rams going and playing in their home stadium. Just there's a lot more storylines that I'm happy to see continuously played out. Um, and I think it would be a more fun Super Bowl with them. Uh, and plus, I, I kind of wanted them to finally have the ability to say, hey, we have severely mortgaged. Like, we put all of the kids' college funds on black. We're going to see if this works out or if we're just broken as a family. And it finally worked out. And I'm happy that it did so that more teams do it and fail. And it's just hilarious. Um, but otherwise, I have utterly nothing to say about this game. This is uh, this game was apparently the death knell for Jimmy Garoppolo, as it apparently has already been reported that he is being shopped around, and the uh, Niners look for trade partners. Apparently, Jimmy Garoppolo has it also either been made aware or has told reporters that he's expecting to be traded, and he wants to go to a competitor. Which, uh, haha, good fucking chance. Um, uh. <laughs> Yeah, not right? many competitors that are missing just like one piece. Not not many competitors who are looking for the world's most Jimmy mild Garoppolo. upgrade. Yeah, at quarterback. Yeah. Like, oh, the Steelers. I don't want fucking Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the thing. Is Jimmy Garoppolo an upgrade over thirty-eight-year-old Ben Roethlisberger? Because I'm not sure he is. I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo is the new Dalton. Uh, no, like, because yes. Jimmy Garoppolo is good looking. That's the difference. Sure. Jimmy Garoppolo is sexy. Aaron D. Dalton looks pretty scary. He looks like the bad guy. <laughs> he, is, he is hard to look at. I'll be honest. Andy Dalton is not a leader. All right. Let's play a game real quick. Sure. Uh, Love games. Who, who led in, in the stats? Uh, uh, Big Ben or Jimmy, Jimmy G? Oh, God. Just All this right. season? Just this past season. Yeah. Uh-huh. Big, Big Ben, 39. Jimmy Garoppolo, age 30 season. Uh, completion percent. Uh, Big Ben. Jimmy G, uh, 68.3 cool. to 64.5. Yards. Uh, Garoppolo. Yes, barely by 70 yards. Uh, Jimmy G had 38, wow. 10. Big Ben, 37, 4. Yeah. Touchdowns. Garoppolo. This was actually a tie. Oh, sorry. No, this was, this was Big Ben. Big Ben had 22 to Jimmy Garoppolo's 20. So Big Ben won this one. Uh, interceptions. Uh, Garoppolo. Yeah, Garoppolo led 12 to Big Ben's 10. So uh, two very important stats that he did not surpass. Uh, ben Roethlisberger. And, uh, those surpass are a mannequin, essentially, a quarterback. Yeah, but those are the, the rest of them are just like rate stats, which you would obviously get with the, the main counting stats. So it's not really interesting to get into them. But uh, yeah, honestly... I think you got to take Big Ben over Jimmy G this season. 
And that's um, not good for Jimmy G. The only the thing that I test, as far as the eye test goes, you pick Jimmy G because Big Ben was hard to watch at times. But he had better production. I mean, only 70 fewer yards with more touchdowns and fewer interceptions. I take that every that's, time. Uh, anyway, uh, the actual stats of this game. Uh, let's see. I closed it out, and now where to go? Then All right, Jimmy it. Garoppolo, 16 for 30, which, oh, boy, that's fucking bad. Uh, 232 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Somehow maintained a quarterback rating of 87.1, which feels awfully high for what he accomplished, which is not much. One rush for four yards. Matthew Stafford on the other side, 31 for 45, 337 yards, two touchdowns, and an inter- an interception. Uh, two sacks, a quarterback rating of 96.2, which uh, respect to, to Matt Stafford. We talked about it last week about what he could, would be asked to do this week since the first week of the playoffs, he only threw 17 passes, and then week two, he threw 38. So they really you know, needed him to be more, and, and he was. And this week, they asked him to do really even more than that, and he really – follow through i mean this so far has been two back-to-back weeks of performances that i don't think they get out of jared goff i i I know they wouldn't get out of jared goff that they desperately needed to win these two games both of which have been one possession games yeah i mean matt stafford is and should have widely been considered you know on the cusp of being a top five quarterback for what feels like his entire career and I'm happy to see that he's finally, you know, getting some of that recognition and getting some of the supporting cast to allow him to continue that. Yeah, and and he's he's showing it. You know, he's not a uh, overly flashy, good quarterback the way that we see a lot of the other dazzling plays that are made by uh, some of his contemporaries. But he's winning the games. That's what it comes down to. He's winning the games. Um, what this means for the Niners, it clearly means that Jimmy G is gone. Now, the rest of their team is still fucking good. Like, if they can make an upgrade at quarterback, they're in a very good position. The division is, ta- is is very hard, yeah, but that team is good at everything but quarterback. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they, they hand over the reins to... Um... Oh, fuck. It's not Justin Fields. It's... Trey Lance, thank you. Um, I mean, they have to. Right? I mean, he's your first-round quarterback. He showed the part this year. They really only went with Jimmy as long as they did and as much as they did because he was the veteran and really didn't do anything to kind of give up the job uh, outside of getting hurt. Um, I think it's Trey Lance and don't even look in the rearview mirror. I mean, I think that's why, you know, they've – went to the conference championship game where one possession away from winning. And despite that, there was never even a conversation about keeping Jimmy. Yeah. Because, well, there's no reason to. What would have been wild is if Brady did one season with the Niners, which is the team he wanted to get drafted by and then retired. And that team would have been truly rough. I would have just, thrown up in my mouth Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the Niners perform next season with a new quarterback to see to what extent Jimmy Garoppolo is because they're basically in the position that the Rams were in Uh, 
up until last year, which is everything but quarterback here looks really fucking good. And while our quarterback situation is not destitute, you know, they're not out there uh, trying to get Nathan Peterman to throw the ball. Uh, it's far from elevating the players around it or even meeting the skill level of the players surrounding the quarterback position, um, which is effectively dragging them all down. So it'll be interesting to see how they end up trying to compensate for that position uh, in the off season, but we'll see for the Rams. This is a, this is a game they need to win. Uh, we said this last week too. Um, the Rams need to win a Super Bowl <laughs> to justify the insane lengths they've gone to, to make it to the Super Bowl. So they really need to come away with something. Like they can't end up being the Seattle Mariners of the late nineties where it's like, we won the most regular season games in MLB history. And we never made it to the championship game. <laughs> like they have to, and I know the, the Rams did make it to a Super Bowl and then lost to Tom Brady. Um, but they have, they have to win one. They have to for their legacy. They have to. Yeah. Oh man. I'm excited for the Super Bowl. It's a superb owl. And I'm excited for you to come watch with me. Yeah, buddy. We'll do we'll we'll, we'll do it up. Yep. Go big cats. I'm hosting by myself, so get ready for disappointment. I always am when I when I get ready to see you. You and everybody else I know. <laughs> right. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm upset. I missed these games. They seem like really fun games, even though the second one probably lacked in excitement compared to the first one, but, uh, playoff football is a, is a magical thing. Magical thing. Uh, do you have anything else on either of these games before we kind of move on? We've been going for a while. Oh, let's wrap this motherfucker up. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Hey, the Super Bowl is not next week, so we're going to talk about it later so we can actually get out of here, but we'll talk about the Super Bowl matchup and what we think of it uh, in either the next episode or the one that follows, but obviously before the big game itself. And eventually we'll talk about baseball. There was another meeting between both sides today. Um, and we still haven't talked about the Hall of Fame voting stuff that, that happened a few uh, week and a half ago at this point. We'll get there. Nothing. It's not a, a, a conversation of dire urgency, but, you know, with us being incapable of getting our shit together to record twice a week these past few weeks, uh, you know, we fit in what we can fit in. Oh, well. So in the meantime, if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pond. If you'd like to follow Corbin on Twitter, you can do so at Corbin Heller. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. And if you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. And uh, until Monday, and this time I actually mean it, y'all have a good one. Bye.